Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Fire You Can't Put Out. My name is Melvin. I want to thank you so much for being here. Think about something that we take for granted now. Something like podcasting. Podcasting is a fantastic example. As a young man growing up, I would listen to the to the DJs on the radio, you know, with all their all their voices and all their accents, and, and I, oh my goodness gracious, I just want to do that so bad. <clears throat> had I had access to a laptop, which was unheard of when I was a young man, uh, I had a friend or two that owned a computer, and I didn't. I didn't, obviously I didn't know much about computers, but. Uh, understanding the computers that were more common in homes during that time, pretty certain that if you put, say, an album's worth of high-quality MP3s on them now, or, or even some some good high-resolution photos, uh, those gigantic multi-thousand-dollar computers wouldn't even be able to handle it. I mean, they were just they were just behemoths, but they just didn't have a whole lot of lot of computing power. So computers were just so out of the no way. But had I had this kind of platform as a young man, or if I had had, say, you know, TikTok or, or Facebook or, or Instagram, or just wow, I just, as a kid who felt like no one's listening to me and no one knows I'm here and I'm going to die and there will never be a record that I was ever on this planet, you know, give me a microphone, let me open it up and let me let me tell folks that I'm here and maybe even make some other folks feel like they're not alone. And in the process, make myself feel a little less alone. What it would have taken to do that would have been to get into a big blowtorch of a radio station, like 50,000 watt blowtorch radio station. And they don't just put anybody and everybody on the air. You really had to be proven to get onto those kinds of airwaves. I suppose I could have recorded myself at home onto a tape recorder, but that's even that's even worse. And then what am I? Am I going to mail the tape to to potential listeners? Think about something like podcasting I, I, with a laptop, and and which is fairly easy to come by these days. A couple hundred bucks for a laptop and a microphone. You're talking twenty, thirty, forty bucks, and you. And the recording software, there's lots of free open source recording software. You can open a microphone, say whatever the piss you want, put it out there into the world, and maybe even get a response. Or not. So easy. But I didn't invent the podcast or the laptop, the recording software, the microphone, any of it. But I benefit. And I benefit gigantically from it. I certainly use all these things, but I didn't have, beyond buying them, much to do with them. Hell, I only show up here with my personality like I do to most things. But somebody invented the computer. And then for somebody, that wasn't good enough. And so they made it better and they made it more powerful. And then they got it into more homes. The microphone. The microphone is hundreds of years old. You know, somebody invented the microphone. Somebody, somebody spent a thousand hours, you know, developing the recording, the open source free recording software, you know, that so many folks use. And I didn't do that stuff. Somebody did that. But by admitting that I come to this microphone and I'm able to do this thing, 
without having to do all of those things in order to make it happen, it's a little bit humbling. And it's my way of saying, I didn't do this alone. And even once I record, I still have somebody that helps me out with this. Somebody that that does some production work, does the music for me, gets it out into the world, so on and so forth. And that, of course, is Kevin. So even at this point in the process, I'm still not doing it 100% alone. I've played in, in, in bands. And I didn't show up after inventing the drums and inventing the bass guitar and inventing this vocal style and, and you know, all the things that we use to record or to amplify ourselves. No, no, no. no I learned and I learned based on something else that someone else developed, somebody else created, somebody with their blood and sweat brought into 3D. And I benefited from learning what they learned and then learned more about it. I didn't do that stuff alone. And definitely as a part of a four or five piece, I really didn't do it alone. If I want right now, I can jump into a vehicle and I can drive across the city or across the country. Or if I want, I can be in Europe in a dozen hours. Jump on a plane, be in Europe in a dozen hours. Easy, easy. But I didn't invent the plane. I didn't invent the car either. But I benefit greatly from the fact that those things are there. There's this idea that anything that we do, we do alone. We tell ourselves we, we're doing it, we do it alone. Like if you learned playing this, you did it alone. Or maybe somebody taught you and you, well, that person taught me, but really I did all the work, I did it alone. Somebody came before you, somebody figured it out, and you, whether you want to admit it or not, you stand on their shoulders. I didn't invent DJing, I stand on the shoulders of all of the greats who came before me. I didn't do it alone, I didn't build this room that I'm standing in. Some guy did it with his tools. Room full of right angles. To quote Ani, who says I like right angles, huh? Maybe I wanted to live in a bubble. But you know what? This is what we, you know, this is how we build houses. I know, that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, I didn't build this house, but I benefit greatly from all of the years of Everyone coming up with, with architecture and, and, and coming up with a better lumber and coming up with a better fastener, you know, coming up with roofing material. Like I benefit gigantically from all, all the things that were figured out in the hundreds or thousands of years before I was here. I benefit greatly. So from driving a car to buying a house to flying across the country to recording this show to playing live music to being an effing DJ, I didn't do it alone. And I can say that. Humbling, but I don't have any problem saying it. When we talk about competing visions, when we talk about progressive and conservative competing visions, we get into the dumb wedge issues. Abortion and taxes and oh my effing God, just punch yourself in the dick and shut up. But it's not really about that. It's the me, me, M-E, the me society versus the we society. Remember, I heard Michael Moore say that a number of years ago, and I've never been able to get it out of my head. And that's it's the me versus the we. If you really believe that you did 
everything on your own without help. And going forward, you do not need any help. You're wrong. Because from the car you drive to the house you live in to the clothes you wear, somebody, somebody got you to that place where you now greatly benefit whether you see the labor or not. Slaves built this country. Slaves, honest to goodness, slaves were not paid for their work, were forced to work because they were black. Slaves built this country. And we do a great disservice to ourselves and to them when we refuse to admit those things. We didn't do any of this stuff alone. The real competing vision isn't so much progressive and conservative. It's, are you willing to admit that you didn't do this alone and that somebody came before you and you benefited greatly from somebody else's work? Or are you going to continue to be of the mind that you are not a member of society? You are not connected to the rest of us and that you really did do all this alone as the old saying goes. If you want to bake a cake from scratch, first you have to create the universe. Texas, Wyoming, Florida, Mississippi. This is just a handful of the countries, excuse me, the soon-to-be countries. I can't imagine they're trying to start, they're trying to be a part of a country themselves since they don't really want to be in the country anymore. These and any number of other states um, are now beginning to talk about secession again. Why? Well, because we didn't, we don't have a neo-Nazi president anymore, so now they want to secede. When they fly the American flag, they really only mean to fly the flag for their own state. They want to secede. Why? Well, because they believe that they don't need the rest of the United States. They don't like the fact that they pay taxes, and that it goes to schools, and that it goes to infrastructure, and that it goes to pay for private prisons, which is your own damn fault, conservatives. That's the BS that you want. That's not what the rest of us want. They believe that they are doing it alone and all they need to do is break off from the rest of the United States and they're going to be just fine. What happened in Texas should be a warning to everyone who thinks it's a good idea to secede. Now, by the way, Melvin is not going to shed tears when you secede. Oh, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Don't let the dough hit you with a good Lord split you. Oh, bye-bye. You want to go? Go. I, I, can't, I can't even tell you how little I care. But warning, fair warning to you. You're going to realize how much you're dependent on other states, how much you're dependent on the federal government, the federal government that you say that, oh, your forefathers, the forefathers... <laughs> The founding fathers fought and died to give us this government and to give us this country. And now we want to break off from it because you don't really care. If you secede, you're not going to get your money. I don't think red states who want to secede realize this, but they are now and have always been propped up by the blue states. I live in a blue state. I pay more taxes so that some dumb red right-wing redneck schmuck uh, down in Texas doesn't have to pay as much in taxes but still gets to live. Uh, two stimulus checks have been mailed directly to Americans by this point 
And a third one is about to go out. And if, if memory serves, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, tfycpo at gmail.com, I don't recall anybody, or if there was anybody, it certainly wasn't a, a large number. Uh, roughly half the country is conservative, or at least roughly half the country that votes, that turns out to vote, uh, is conservative, or believes that they are conservative. But I don't remember a bunch of stimulus checks being mailed back to the federal government. Now, I do remember a bunch of uh, right-wing neo-Nazi rallies where they were complaining about socialism, uh, but then when socialism cut them a check, they didn't seem to have that same energy anymore. I know folks that are conservative that got the stimulus check and did not send it back, and as a matter of hey, this is pretty great. This is pretty effing great. Now, that's not entirely what socialism looks like. Uh, sometimes it looks like the roads that you drive on every day, you dumb schmucks. It also looks like the police, the police that you say that you love so much, the firefighters, the first responders that you say that you love so much. All of that socialized, the military, the thing in the budget that shall not be touched no matter what, the military. 100% socialized. The largest, if I'm not mistaken, the largest socialist organization on the face of the planet. The food, the clothing, the housing, the every damn thing, the air you breathe. Government. <laughs> Brought to you by the United States government. It's pretty easy to say that you did it all by yourself when you don't have to acknowledge the fact that everybody did it for you. Everybody did this before you got here and you benefit from them greatly. But you do yourself and everyone that came before you a disservice. If, if, you, if you are of the belief that you did it alone, that you don't need anybody's help, and going forward, you don't need their help. The only difference between you and I is I'm willing to admit the things that I have benefited from greatly. At this time, at this time, uh, state-level secession is illegal. If a state wants to secede, they cannot do that. But the Supreme Court, SCOTUS, is completely stocked with Nazis. It's now 6-3 to neo-Nazi. And at any time, if it, somebody could, could run to one of these lower courts with what they, know, what they know is a losing case, get it up to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court then takes it, and makes state-level secession legal. My God, if that's what you want, then go ahead and do it. Please, secede. So, all of the right-wing redneck states right now, um, since the election, have implemented 100 new laws in 28 states, uh, stripping voters of the right to vote. Um, there are more than 2,000 bills nationwide that have either been passed, uh, might be passed, uh, or will be passed and signed into law. Thousands. So this is when all of the hard work of, of stripping people of the right to vote is done uh, by the conservatives. It's always done in these years where nobody's paying attention. There, this is not a House year election. This is not 
a presidential year election. No members of the Senate are going to be. This is one of those. Uh, the only people that are going to be voting this year uh, are schmucks like me who vote every single year for every teeny tiny little thing, no matter how small it seems. But most people will not. And what will happen is a handful of you will turn out for ne- for next year's House votes, you know, because the House of Representatives gets gets replaced every two years. So a handful of you will turn out for that. Uh, And a handful of those people will realize that they have lost the right to vote because of all the laws that have been passed by conservatives to stop you from voting. And then, of course, the rest of you will not realize that you lost your right to vote until the next presidential year, which is in 2024. And by the time you realize you lost your right to vote three years ago, it's going to likely be too late. Uh, one of the things that they're doing is they're trying to get rid of mail-in ballots in as many states as possible. Getting rid of drop boxes uh, in largely African-American areas. Uh, getting rid of souls to the polls. Do you know what this is? This is what they do church on Sunday, uh, the Sunday before the election, and then they immediately go to the polls and they vote. Um, the churches don't tell you who to vote for, but their black churches and conservatives know that when these black churches turn out like this, Um, they're going to go overwhelmingly democratic because they can't identify with the neo-Nazis in the current state of the Republican Party. So the overwhelming majority of what conservatives are doing are trying to find a way, word to Candace Owens, uh, they're trying to find a way to stop black people from voting. And I think even if Candace Owens, who is a black conservative uh, and completely in love with the neo-Nazi right, Uh, even if she did lose her her right to vote because she's in one of these areas uh, that is being targeted for stripping people of the right to vote, I think she would very, very, very quietly get her own vote reinstated and then not help out anybody else that's black. Conservatives know that the tide is turning against them. Uh, a party that stands for tax breaks for the rich uh, and standing up for neo-Nazis is not where the country is. Um, it's where an awful lot of the country is, but it's not where we're all at right now. And the conservatives have realized that the way to win elections is not to get everybody to vote. It's to get as few people to vote as possible. Oh, and by the way, if you can reduce the number of black and brown people voting, Well, hell yeah, all the more better. So this begs the question, what are the Democrats doing, if anything, about this? Glad you asked. H.R. 1 is in the House of Representatives right now. And what that is, is that is to redraw the, the districts. So we had the census last year and it's time to redraw the districts. This typically ends up being a highly partisan thing. Um, but the Democrats, and I agree with them, said that it shouldn't be highly partisan. The redrawing of the districts should not benefit Democratic candidates. Also, it should not benefit Republican candidates. It shouldn't be to the direct benefit of anybody. And so H.R. 1 would have the, uh, the, the districts redrawn by an independent Commission. Oh, not everyone's independent. Oh, piss off. Okay, the problem is, are these little salamander districts that the conservatives draw because they because they want the they want the politicians 
uh, picking the voter and not the other way around. So uh, I would get on the phone with your representative. I'll get on the phone with mine, but mine is one of the ones that's not one of the good ones. Um, and, and say, hey, please vote for H.R. 1. Now, obviously, it's going to have an uphill battle in the House because uh, with, with Manchin uh, and with Cinema, um, we've got two conservadems, unfortunately. And no, it's always, it's always fragile. It's always fragile. Whenever we, these majorities are always fragile. I just, I goddamn just hate it. But tell them to support H.R. 1 uh, for the redrawing of the districts by an independent commission because nobody should be using uh, these district lines to cheat. And if the conservatives are able to use these district lines to cheat again, they're going to control government for another 10 years. And if you thought the last Nazi was bad, just wait till you meet the next one. Speaking of the Supreme Court and voting, listen, 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 listen. There is a case that is looking like it's going to go before the Supreme Court, and it has to do with something called ballot harvesting. So I'll tell you what ballot harvesting is, and I'll tell you what conservatives think ballot harvesting is. Okay, so ballot harvesting is just that finding a bunch of ballots and turning them in like you're you're one person but you turn in a couple hundred couple dozen or a thousand ballots right um and so conservatives say aha people are printing ballots at home dead people are voting all this other bs that they say and and these dems are turning in these ballots and that's how they're winning elections all right all right all right so what's really happening well if somebody's not able to make it to the polls uh, and they're able to vote, you know, say they're able to, to vote by mail or, you know, they're not able to vote in person, but they're able to fill out the ballot at home and then somebody takes it in for them. That's the thing that's really happening. Eligible voters who can't make it to the polls are voting and other folks are turning in their ballot. And maybe it's just one ballot or maybe it's just two ballots because you're turning it in for both of your parents. But conservatives say, ha, <laughs> there it is, man. This is proof of ballot harvesting. The Dems are just printing them up. Stealing elections. Stop the steal. So, if this case goes before the Supreme Court and the neo-Nazis on the Supreme Court vote the way that I anticipate they will vote, it will become likely, uh, obviously opinions are never black and white, but the likely outcome of that would be, uh, even if legal in your state, it's not legal anymore, uh, to turn in somebody else's ballot for them. If they can't make it to the polls, uh, F them, let them die. They don't get to be in democracy anymore. They should have thought of that before they became old and or crippled. Like That's what I anticipate. So um, obviously the, ca- the, the, the case does not have a name yet. This is one of those things where conservatives are, are rushing through the lower courts right now to try to lose a case so that they can hopefully uh, get to the Supreme Court. Uh, and obviously this is something that would be decided uh, maybe late this year or maybe summer of next year, so definitely before the presidential election. So we'll have to see what happens with it. But 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 pay attention to this ballot harvesting thing. Ballot harvesting is not a real thing. But um, if you're conservative, then boogeymen and unicorns and all kinds of other things that don't really exist are really everywhere. And oh my God, how do you not see it? It is right in front of your effing face. All right. Um, let's talk about the Q and Nazis and then I'm going to get out of here. So I've been talking about this date, March 4th, March 4th, 2021. Um, 
and that is when the QAnazis believe that Joe Biden will not be president anymore, that the last guy who actually lost the election, whose name I won't say anymore, um, they believe that that guy will become president on that day, and that guy is making tons of money off of that particular belief system right now. Um, I've mentioned on the show before that um, Inauguration Day used to be March 4th, but then it was changed in 1933 uh, after the election of FDR because of all the damage that Hoover continued to do uh, over the five months he had in office after he lost uh, the election of 32. So they moved it back to January so that you couldn't have a president doing all this damage. Amazing, even still, uh, the last guy did tons of damage on the way out the door, so I don't know that we can push it back any further, but but there, but there's a belief uh, among the Q-Nazis and the uh, the sovereign citizens that um, the reason that the date was changed um, in 1933 was because that was the day, and this is real, that the country went bankrupt after we got off of the gold standard. Now, I'm not going to get into the gold standard and, and modern monetary theory. I'll have to get into all that stuff a little bit later. But but here's the things I've been reading from the QAnon website. So uh, Q uh, is has lifted this belief from the sovereign citizen movement um, and think that the U.S. was certainly, excuse me, this is real. The sovereign citizens, the QAnazis, they believe that the country was secretly. Now, remember, they've got access to all the secrets. They believe that the country was secretly turned into a corporation in 1871 and that all other presidents after Ulysses S. Grant have been illegitimate. And on March 4th, the last guy who was president who just lost the election, um, will become president again. He'll take office, he'll be reinstated, and he'll actually become the 19th president of the United States. This is real. This is, this is all real. And this is, a, this is a widely held belief. Now, I, I expect there to be lots of Nazi goings on in Washington, D.C. on March 4th. Um, but I don't expect it to be as big as last time because last time there were a lot of police that were in on it. There were a lot of congressmen and women that were in on it that, that made it possible for it to happen. And I just don't see it playing out the same way. And also with that, I think there were a lot of these Nazis that thought that they weren't going to get arrested and that they weren't going to go to jail. And a lot of that did happen. So I think we're still looking at far smaller crowds because um, they are still booking rooms for March 4th, which is this Thursday. Uh, so they're booking uh, for, the, for the night or two nights before. Uh, maybe they're going to get some more recognizant, recognizant missions uh, from, from conservative members of Congress for their next uprising. But here's the positive in this, if you can take any positive from it. After the January 6th, insurrection. A lot of people left the QAnon movement. A lot. Became disillusioned with it. They've been giving interviews to, to CBS and NBC and the New York Times and, and they're embarrassed and oh my God, how did I, how did I get taken? You know, so there's, there's a lot of folks that have moved out of it. 
Um, and that's good news. Um, better news is there's an awful lot of them that have staked March 4th as the final day for them. Um, if Joe Biden is still president on March 5th, then there's an awful lot, and they're openly saying this, that will leave the movement because they were so hurt after January 20th that there's no way that if, if, if people aren't, aren't murdered on that day and Democrats aren't murdered and, and babies aren't arrested or whatever the F they think is going to happen, if that stuff doesn't play out, well, then they're just going to leave the QAnon movement. And so it will become really one of these tiny fringe movements. Or maybe it won't. Because really, when you talk about conspiracies, anything that disproves this, the theory, and it is the theory, tends to strengthen the theory at first. Evidence to the contrary strengthens it. I don't know. I don't live in those very special kinds of worlds. I have to live in reality, and I'm very, very comfortable with it here. Um, but one of the things that I do hope happens um, after March 4th is some of those cages can start to come down. Because what is happening now, um, and this was this was covered on CNN the other day, um, with all of those fences up there, multiple, and there has to be some, of course, but multiple layers of fences and barbed wire and all this other stuff, it really does separate us from our own government. It really does create some physical distance. Um, it, it creates some figurative distance. Um, and it also creates a lot of bureaucracy. Um, if you back in the seventies, you could walk through the halls of Congress, and you might even bump into a House member or a senator, uh, and it wasn't a big deal because we weren't so separated from our government. Um, we've become more and more separated from it, and a lot of that is us. A lot of that is us giving that up, um, and we shouldn't give that up because, yeah, we are the government, and we made the government, and these men and women that work up on Capitol Hill. Um, they're millionaires and billionaires um, because of us. And you say, well, we'll just, just fire them all. Yeah, okay, good, good luck with that, Chappie. We'll see how that works out for you. Uh, but what we really need to do is just get them uh, to start paying attention to us. Again, get them to start listening to us, taking money out of politics and so on and so forth. But one of the things that it really does need to start with are these, these walls, <laughs> these walls coming down in D.C., um, it's not a good look. It's not a good feel. Um, it really doesn't help anybody. And the more and more separated we become uh, from our government, uh, the more we will continue to lose. Okay. I'll talk to you next week. All right. Uh, excited to talk to you again next week um, after March 4th happens and hopefully no more insurrections. So, here we go, insurrection part two. Let's make the Nazis cry again. <laughs> Thank you for being here on the fire you can't put out. Our official home is tfycpo.podbean.com. Get us, get at us on facebook.com slash tfycpo. Uh, questions, comments, hate mail, just a general statement of inquiry. You don't like my use of the word Nazi? <laughs> really? Write to me. Tell me what you think of me. I'll listen. <laughs> Uh, we are the fire you can put out and we will prevail. Rejecting austerity in favor of prosperity. Special thanks to Kevin for producing. And thank you for listening. This is Melvin, signing off. <laughs>
And now that I've woke you up... Good morning.